Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hi, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. You know, it makes me laugh how some people who are howling about separation of church and state try to bring the church and religion and scripture into their policy making when that policy making is going contrary to the laws of the very God that they are invoking. Theologians, they're on the campaign trail. They're politicians who are presenting themselves as theologians. I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, because if you're following the 2022 campaign, uh, you have seen this happen time and time again. Uh, I want to start here. I'm also going to tell you something about Biden uh, dividing the nation and what what the American people think about that. Is that, in fact, what is happening? Very good poll came out that you may have seen. I want to comment on a little bit as well. But the second letter of Paul to Timothy, let's read this starting in verse 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. Let us pray. Father, we are aware of our own weakness. We are aware of our own capacity, Lord, to turn away from you, to fall away from the path of virtue. We are aware of our own temptations, of our own sins. And we turn to you. We turn to you to ask for strength, in the midst of our weakness, to ask for grace in the midst of every kind of temptation. And Lord, for those in our society who do go astray, we also intercede. We ask that your grace bring them back, but we ask also, Lord, that your people may be able to spot them, may be able to distinguish them from those who are sincere believers so that we may know what our proper response has to be. Your word says, have nothing to do with those who have an outward form of godliness, might appear to be religious, but deny the power of religion, the power of your grace. Lord, keep us on the alert for these people and help us indeed to be sincere followers and examples to the rest of the world of what it means to be close to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So before I get into some modern-day examples of that, right from the halls of government and the campaign trails of 2022, let me uh, point out this Trafalgar poll. Now, Trafalgar is one of those uh, polling companies that, you know, is more trustworthy than uh, most of the others. So you can, you can, yeah, take their statistics as something meaningful. So there was District Falger and and Convention of States, another group that joined with them in this poll. 
asking whether Biden has divided the nation. You know how many voters said uh, yes? Almost 60%. Now, another 20% say they're, they're not sure. And it can be confusing, of course, especially if, we, I mean, if we're not sure what unity looks like in the first place. We might say we're not quite sure. Then there's another 20%. I don't know what they're smoking, but they said he has united. He has united the country. It'd be interesting to hear their, their explanation of that. And then when you break it down uh, by affiliation, you ask Republicans if he's divided the country, the Biden that is, nine, almost 93%. That's quite, a, that's quite a statistic. Almost 93% will say yes. But independents, now look at the independents. 64% of the independents will say that Biden has divided the country. Uh, Democrats. Now, this is an interesting breakdown. Only 18, 1-8% say that he has um, split the country during his time as president. 43.6% of Democrats say he's unified it. Well, if you want to say he's unified it among the around the radical base, disconnected from the mainstream America's way of thinking, yeah, I guess, you know, that must be what they mean. Nearly 40%, that's a, that's a lot for this answer, nearly 40% say they're not sure. I guess they're waiting for some kind of more results. You know, they're not sure. Okay, interesting poll. Of course, you know, uh, you look at some of the commentary that's uh, been made on this, uh, and, you know, a lot of people are referring to the the rhetoric that comes out of the administration about the dan- how dangerous these MAGA Republicans are. You know, that's us, friends. That's us. That's us who, you know, we proudly wear these hats. We, we believe in, I don't know, you know, the flag, uh, representative government, limited government, security. We think it was, yeah, it was a little bit better, you know, when we had a, a thriving economy rather than a sinking one. Uh, it was a little bit better when we had to secure borders. Uh, it was a little bit better when we had record wage growth and job growth and religious freedom and strong military. And I don't know, it's, it, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of extreme in thinking that those are good things, you know. Parents have the choice to educate their children in the schools that they want to send them to, you know, things like that. I don't know where these people come from. I really don't. Here we got Biden saying it's essentially 75 million Americans are the enemy. Well, these MAGA Republicans, you know, they're dangerous. 75 million people voted for that, that president whose picture is, is there all the time. So that's not, a, it's not just a handful of people. So you start calling that many people a threat to the nation and undermining democracy and, and, you know, a clear and present danger. See, here's the problem with this rhetoric. Not only does it, it divide the country right away because here you have the president speaking at that, that, and it wasn't just that, that, at that people find it hard to find the adjectives for that speech in Philadelphia that he gave with that satanic looking background, you know, the, the red, the red and the black kind of 
oh, it was it was it was just a frightening scene. Um, not only from that, but but you know these are things that he and his his associates have been saying on other occasions too, and it's 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 become part of the DNA of this administration. You know, just to look down on half the country and just dismiss them as dangerous. And I mean, it's one thing to say you disagree. But but that's not what he's saying here. People can disagree, and we've disagreed from, since the beginning of our country. But no, that's not the point. The point is that when you say that a group of people are a threat to the republic and a clear and present danger, well, then you don't give those people an equal platform, do you? You don't give them a vote. You don't give them free speech. You lock them up. Or worse. I think this rhetoric sets up the stage for a severe persecution. More than we've seen already. We've already seen it already. You know, it wasn't just the Mar-a-Lago raid on President Trump, but now various associates of his are, 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 are being raided and, and, and uh, uh, having their cell phones confiscated. And I mean, what, what, kind of a, what kind of a nation has this become where we're seeing that happen? So... Divide. He hasn't divided the country. Well, you know, think again. Uh, interesting poll from Trafalgar. But let me get on to this business about theologians in the on the campaign trail. So, Vice President Harris. Let me read. This was from uh, beginning of September earlier this month. She's in. She's in. Um, uh, the, she's at the National Baptist Convention held down in uh, Houston. Okay. So there's about 2,000 people gathered there, including her own pastor. I want to say a word to her own pastor. Could you please, in the name of God, do a better job than you're doing? Whoever you are, Kamala Harris's pastor, boy, are you failing at your job. Dreadfully. Dreadfully. You know, maybe just retire and get somebody else in, in, in play. Try to get try to get control of this this wacko vice president that we have. Could you please, in the name of God, please do us a favor? I, I'm fed up with this nonsense. So Harris gives a nod to her own pastor in the talk. Oh, good, good, yeah, nice. I hope everybody applauded. She recalled attending a Baptist church while growing up in Oakland. Hey, another again, you guys, boy, did you guys do a bad job. As so many of us did, I learned in the Bible of the many teachings of the ever-present tension between darkness and light. You better believe it, Harris, and you have experienced the darkness. That's what you're experiencing right now, and you're thrusting that darkness on the rest of us. You don't belong in the office of the vice presidency. You don't belong in any public office. And she goes on to say, oh, and I learned in these moments how important it is to recognize the power of faith. No, you didn't. You didn't. See, this goes back to what Paul, we, we read uh, in the scriptures here tonight at the beginning of the program. Friends, there's a big difference between invoking the faith and believing in it. There's a big difference between saying, oh, I learned about the power of faith and actually letting that power change you and transform you. Because you'll notice, I'm going to read a little more of these comments. There's nothing here. Let me explain to you what I mean. Okay, so she goes to this gathering and she said, you know, these are unsettled times. 
And leaders of faith have to lead us through these unsettling, uh, unsettled times and defend um, democracy. And then she goes on. The principles are under attack. Women have to make, have to have the freedom to make decisions about their own future. Okay, there she's talking about baby killing. Okay. And then she says these ideals, yeah, well, the ideals of let's pull more arms and legs off of more babies in the womb. Yeah, that's an ideal. They hang in the balance. And in this moment, we count on the strength and conviction of our faith leaders to help lead us forward. Okay. Let's just let these words sink in. We rely on the strength and conviction of our faith leaders to help lead us forward. Okay. Extremists work to take away the freedom of women to make their own decisions about their own bodies. But faith leaders are taking a stand. Knowing that one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held religious beliefs to agree that a woman should have the ability to make decisions about her own body and not have her government tell her what to do. So my first problem with this is, why don't you just talk about what you're talking about? They're obviously talking about abortion. Well, why don't you just, why don't you just tell us what you're talking about? Don't put it in terms of women making decisions about their own body. Oh, we talked about this the other the other night. I can't stand up in an airplane when the fastened seatbelt sign is on. I can't lie down in the middle of the street. We, we can't just do whatever we want with our bodies. That's ridiculous. No sane, civilized person thinks they can do what they want with their own body. Come on, for goodness sake. Stop being stupid on purpose. Some people are stupid. They can't help it. But you, but you people... <laughs> You're being stupid on purpose. Don't try to, in other words, if you want to defend, look, I've been using this. If you want to defend this, okay, tearing a baby apart, because this is how abortions are done. This is actually used in abortions for medical forceps. Tear the baby's arms and legs off, okay, crush the head, all right? If that's what you're saying you want to do, why don't you just say it? No, 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 Harris can't say it. This is exactly what she's what she's pushing for and wants us to pay for. The whole Democrat Party wants us to pay for it. But no, 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 no. It's it's the it's women's freedom to make decisions about their own future. So you have your your fifth grade daughter sitting there in front of you. And little Mary says, you know, someday I would love to be a doctor. No, I would love to be a doctor for doggies and cats. I want to be a, a, a vet. And you have a discussion with her about making decisions for her own future. And then years later, she's sitting down with the, the guidebook to American colleges and universities. And, and she says, Mom, can you help me uh, look at some of these options? And you're helping her make decisions about her own future. And then she's dating someone seriously and, and asks her parents advice. You know, maybe this is the one that I should marry. That's making decisions about one's own future. You think any of us are opposed to that? That's one of the beautiful dimensions of life, isn't it? 
you, you, and, and, and so many of you live that and you, you guide your children to that. And of course, you want them to have the freedom to make decisions about their own future. When you talk about those things, you're not talking about this. You're not talking about violence against a baby. You're not talking about this. Stop it. And stop putting it in religious language. The vice president should be ashamed of herself. And all the, all the people that, 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 that go along with this garbage. When I say that there's nothing here, they're using faith language. Oh, the people, the leaders of faith must help us through these unsettled times. What on earth are you saying? That it's unsettled times because maybe we want to protect her from this. That unsettles the times. How important it is to recognize the power of faith, she says. If faith hasn't even been powerful enough to help you recognize that you don't kill babies, I'm not impressed with its power, okay? Not in your life. And that's, why, again, why I said your pastor ought to get as far away from being a pastor as, as they possibly can. And now it'll be a benefit to all of us. So that's Harris. Then you got Pelosi, Queen Pelosi, the theologian. A few weeks ago, the House Speaker, who again should get as far away from any position in public office as she possibly, as her feet can possibly take her, fast as they can take her. Get out. It's time to leave. We are, we're sick and tired of you, actually, okay, in public office in America. She started using terms like sinful to describe the efforts of those of us in the, in the pro-life movement, the efforts of our, our Republicans uh, in Congress and in the states to limit abortion, she said, oh, that's sinful to do that. All right, now here we go. See, you would think for as long as she's been, you know, in uh, fermenting in, uh, in public office, that she'd be able to speak, you know, legislative language. You would think that she could give some arguments that are, I don't know, maybe based on, I don't know, public policy or the Constitution. No, no, she got to turn to theology now. She can't talk about how, how this impacts uh, the Constitution or where you find in the Constitution a right to abortion. She, she can't say two, two syllables about that. Because there aren't two syllables to be said. It's nowhere in the Constitution. She can't say anything about the public policy dimensions of this. So now she's got to say, oh, let me read her words. It's sinful. It's sinful. The injustice of it all. Of what? Well, it's an assault on women of color. Well, you know what the assault on women of color is? It's the assault on them from the abortion industry. Because while uh, blacks, for example, make up about uh, 13%, black women, about 13% of the childbearing population, uh, 
end up getting about 33 to 36% of the abortions. Why that disproportion? It's not because they are any less pro-life. No. In the black community, there's a great uh, uh, devotion to, to God and life and family. It's a targeting from the abortion industry. This is, this is documented and researched and clear right from the beginning of the abortion industry. It has targeted people of color uh, uh, in the black community, in the Hispanic community, and, and they've, been, they've been particularly disproportionately affected by the uh, determination of the abortion industry to set up its clinics near their neighborhoods and to bring in more and more clientele from among their ranks. Um, and meanwhile, Pelosi it, it tries to turn this inside out and upside down uh, and say, well, the, really the assault on women of color is to take away from them uh, abortion. Why? In what way does it harm them to protect their children and to provide them better options than killing those children? Uh, that remains unexplained. But she's got to bring in the word sinful. Got to say, oh, now, now she's pronouncing, okay, with the with the voice of God now, talking about what's sinful and what's not, maybe Pelosi, maybe, just maybe, you should leave that to the clergy to do uh, and keep your mouth shut, okay? Just just keep your mouth shut. And as a matter of fact, you might want to keep your mouth shut about legislative things too because you're not doing anything uh, for the good of America. You're really not doing anything for the good of the district that you pretend to represent there in San Francisco. Become a cesspool, okay? Sick, sick place. Um, I have to go there every once in a while, and now I, you know, it's, it's, I used to enjoy going there, but not anymore. Um, well, why don't you just go back there and enjoy it yourself, okay? And leave the rest of us alone. We don't need your legislative garbage, and we don't need your theological garbage, because that's what it is. It's garbage. Then you got Stacey Abrams, another winner from Georgia. She gives a speech in a church. You know, Abrams, I thought you wanted to have something to do with politics. I, I thought you were interested in some kind of, I don't know, fanciful, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, run at politics or I see you seem to be a failure in that too um, but she speaks in a Georgia church oh she noted that her parents had been pastors wow and then she says I was trained to read and understand the Bible well it's, 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 those, we'll be the judges of that okay I was trained to read and understand the Bible, okay? And I will tell you that there is just Abram speaking from her majestic throne. There is nothing about the decision to eliminate access to abortion care that is grounded in anything other than cruelty and meanness. Yeah, you know, come to think of it, I remember those Bible passages too. Didn't Jesus give a, a parable about that? And St. Paul wrote an epistle on that, I think, and maybe St. Peter too. And uh, you know, what in the world are you talking about? What in the world are you talking about? We have a brochure called The Bible's Teaching Against Abortion. If you look at some of the themes in the scriptures, you know, we don't have to be going on some fanciful trip into the imagination 
uh, mixed in with our political ideology to say, you know, maybe the Bible does say something about, first of all, that God made human life and he found it very good, that it's unique among all creation, the crowning gift of his creation. Uh, scripture talks about this in various places. You know, Psalm 8, what is, what is man that you care for him, mortal man that you keep him in mind with glory and honor, you crowned him, giving him power over the works of your hands. You see, Abrams, the, 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 when you get into biblical commentary theology, you gotta, there's one thing you gotta learn how to do, and that is to actually quote the Bible. You have to be able to like, you know, I don't know, talk, give some things that maybe that are in there, that are in there, in the Bible. It's, it's, it's this book here, you open it up and you read it and you see words on the page, you know. The words have to be someplace in here. You got to be talking about something that has something to do with what's written on these pages. Not coming from your radical left ideology that does nothing but shed the blood of innocent babies. And then she goes on, well, the Bible talks about the innocent baby, right? Abrams, you didn't miss those. Did your parents teach you those verses about maybe, I don't know, uh, Psalm 139 had something to do with uh, for God. God, God, God. You know that word, right? Three little letters. Forming the baby in the, in the what's the word? T tell me, Abrams, what's the word? Where, where's the baby that God is making? According to Psalm 139, what, did you read that? Or maybe, oh, uh, I know, it's a difficult word. It's really, it's too long, it's too complicated. Oh, God! God formed the baby in the womb. It actually says womb? It says womb? Womb? W-O? I mean, that's, I know, God is three-letter, womb is four. I, I know it's getting hard here. God formed the baby in the womb. I don't know. Maybe that means something. God owns that child. We don't. God hates. You know what else scripture says? God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Hmm. This wouldn't shed any blood, would it? If you went like this and ripped the arms off of a baby. And oh, no, this is not Father Frank talking. This is not Priest for Life. Right side broadcasting, uh, praying for America. You rip the you rip the arms and the legs off, and you'll see if we can actually rip the head off here. And this is the med the medical textbooks on how you do abortions are saying this. And do you think maybe that that sheds some blood? It does. The medical textbooks will tell you that. The doctors who do the abortions will tell you that. I've worked with many of them after they've repented and come out of that uh, industry, and they talk about how the blood was was covering all their clothing because these, you know, these older, uh, later term babies that you, you abort these babies, the blood comes splashing all over you, and maybe just maybe these biblical theologians now who are getting into the public arena, a little bit of confusion between church and state, I would say, ought to stop and think about how stupid they sound. Friends, we can't have people running for public office and trying to gain votes by taking the Word of God and twisting it into their political ideology. 
Now, it's perfectly okay to shape your political ideology based on the scriptures. But the difference between that and what these people are doing is what comes first. They have a political ideology, a a very pro-abortion one, and they'll apply this, of course, to other issues too. And that's what's driving them to say, oh, well, let me show you how the Bible justifies what I'm saying. And they, it's all, they're all banging the same drum, singing the same tune. They're trying to limit abortion is mean, it's cruel, it's discriminatory, it's sinful, it's, it's uh, depriving people of their rights, and it is something that faith leaders have to stand up and uh, put a stop to. Yeah, based on exactly what provision of faith and what provision of scripture. That they cannot say. Notice what they're doing and don't ever be fooled by it. They're using exactly what St. Paul uh, uh, said when we read from 2 Timothy. They're using the, the appearance. They're using the trappings. They're using the language of religion. But denying its power, what is its power? Its power is to actually challenge the way we think and change it. Its power is to confront uh, uh, what we're doing and get us to do differently. In other words, to welcome life instead of to destroy it, to change. That's what we have to pray for now as we pray for these elections, as we pray for America. Uh, Let's turn to the Lord and just say, Lord, we, we believe in your word. We believe in, the, in its power. We believe in faith. We are people of faith. But Lord, we also realize that it is very easy, even for pastors, those who are children of pastors. It's so easy, Lord, for us to, to, to twist Scripture. And Lord, we, your people, filled with your Holy Spirit, constantly asking to be filled with your Holy Spirit, Ask for the discernment that comes with the Spirit, that we may always be on the alert and that we always be maybe ready to recognize falsehood when it asserts itself even in religious language. Lord, we pray for that crucial discernment today for your whole church and for our whole nation. Uh, And we ask that those running for public office may have, first of all, the respect for religion so as not to abuse it, and may have the integrity of their convictions to defend what they want to do in public policy based on public policy and not on some twisting of the word of God. We pray, Lord, the actions of these people that we have mentioned here, the vice president, the speaker of the house, and also candidates and political activists in the various states like Stacey Abrams, may indeed cease in this activity uh, of, of, of scripture twisting and uh, taking the faith and using it to their own ends. Lord, we ask that they be filled with the conviction that what they are doing is wrong. Your son told us, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit would bring that conviction, that conviction of sinfulness, that he would make us aware of the things that we were doing wrong 
and help us to turn from them. And so now in a prayer that we do turn from them as a nation, that all of us turn from our sins and that those who are trying to mislead us would turn from theirs, we invoke God in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, friends, thanks for joining me. Uh, Father Frank Pavone here. And uh, stay connected with our program. Stay connected with me on social media. FR Frank Pavone is the address. FR Frank Pavone. See me on Getter, Truth Social, the other major platforms. Connect with Right Side Broadcasting, RSB Network. And remember, as President Trump tells us, we're part of the greatest political movement in American history, the MAGA movement. And our country doesn't belong to those who are trying to destroy it, even while quoting scripture, belongs to you. We kneel to God, not government. And friends, it's true. The best days of America are yet to come. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Let us know about our program. We'll join you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.